Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight Entertainment. This is podcast number 74. I am joined here by Peter Martinez. We're going to get into some fun stuff about what we think, uh, what movies are getting some steam for the Academy Awards. All that and more coming up on Red Spotlight number 74. Let's move on to uh, what movies uh, that are going to be releasing this fall season that we think are actually um, gaining some steam. And it's not necessarily as well just for the sake of who... um, what's going to get nominated, but it's also about what films we're personally looking forward to. Uh, so, Peter, I think um, what what uh, we'll start with this first. What films that have been in the discussion around film festivals and uh, uh, obviously film like there's really uh, what about those film? What film is really sticking out to you as one that you're excited for to see? Um. There, there's, there's a few. Uh, the Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. The Guillermo del Absolutely. Toro. Absolutely, I love Guillermo del Toro, and from what I hear, it's shaping out to be his best film since uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which I consider like damn near a perfect film. Yeah. Um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Is like getting some real strong. I hadn't strong heard about that movie, The Killing of a Sacred really? Deer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You're gonna hear about it. Um, three billboards outside Melbourne, Missouri. I think that's the way the title goes. Um, I hear it is absolutely fantastic, and I am really looking forward to that one. Um, there was another one. Let me see. How about, um, what's it called? The Darkest Hour. Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Gary Oldman? You haven't seen that? No. The Darkest Hour is, um... Okay, here. Well, a couple other, of course, me and you know this one. The Disaster Artist. Mm Mm-hmm. And also uh, the Florida Project. What is the Florida Project? Oh wait, I think I actually no. Hold on, I I read the premise a bit, and it's very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can go ahead and talk about the premise, but I just say for me, I think that one is definitely a contender uh, for be for a nomination. I think. I um, I actually saw the this director's first film, which I believe was Tangerine. And that was the film that was, um, f- it was filmed using an iPhone 5, I think, for a lot of the film, if not all of it. And it was a great film. It was really well done, funny, heartbreaking. And it was uh, pretty dirty, but it was it was a very well-made film. And this was its next directorial uh, venture. And it's really looking like another great one. So I'm really looking for, forward to that one, too. Uh, what's that? About five films we named? Yeah. Also, I want to also... Um, all right. Let me let me see if I can bring some order to this, because we're a little all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. Shape of Water. Going back to Game of I think that one... The films that I think right now are, are gearing up toward a Best Picture nomination. Darkest Hour... The Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, uh, Dunkirk, mm-hmm. Get Out, I think is going to get in. Yeah. I, de- I definitely think. So uh, I saw that pun. Yes. I think The Post definitely can get in. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are six films right there. Let me just break them down even further. Darkest Hour is a World War II thriller that focuses on, on Winston Churchill. Gary Oldman's performance as Winston Churchill has been so lauded that he is far and away the clear front runner for best actor for Gary Oldman. Uh, really? Yes, far and away. Because a lot of people have played West- Winston Churchill. And they've all won. <laughs> and they've all won. Uh, and even recently, but yeah, the, the, it's getting an amazing reception and amazing reviews. Also, 
uh, Guillermo del Toro could get in for Best Director for The Shape of Water. Maybe Steven Spielberg. Definitely Christopher Nolan's going to get in for Best Director. I think he's a front runner to win. Uh, you don't think Dunkirk's going to get in for Best Picture? No, yeah, I, I said Dunkirk. Oh, no, okay. yeah, I said it was definitely getting in. Dunkirk. Good look, Dunkirk is a movie you and I uh, don't really care for all that much compared no. to everybody else. And I don't think it's deserving of this of the reaction it got or the nominations it'll get. But it's going to clean house. because uh, I'll, I'll say this. I understand that Like, I'm not angry at the nomination. For me, I can recognize it's a good film. It just doesn't connect with me. On any for, level. I think, understandable reasons. Yeah. Uh, I think it, Dunkirk will get a Best Picture nomination. I think it'll get a Best Director for Christopher Nolan. Um, for whatever reason, people are saying Mark Rylance is going to get in for Best Supporting Actor. <sighs> See, now that gets you angry. <laughs> because, let me put it this way. I don't think Mark Rylance is a bad actor. In fact, he's a fabulous actor. But he keeps getting nominated for nothing roles. Like, he comes in for about five minutes. He just kind of acts normal and says his lines. He does it well, but it's nothing, like, extraordinary. And then he just gets nominated. He, it's like he's Helen Mirren or something. Meryl or What's Streep. her name? Meryl Streep. Just has to appear in a film, and they're going to hand him an Oscar. Um, or at least a nomination. I... It's a Meryl Streep thing for me. It's like you don't need to nominate him every time he appears in a film. Uh, I can see Dunkirk getting nominated for Best Original Screenplay or Adapted mm-hmm. Screenplay. Is it a, did he adapt it or did he write that movie himself? Uh, I think he wrote, he wrote it himself. Okay, Original Dunkirk. Screenplay. Uh, make no mistake, <coughs> Dunkirk is in a clean house in the technical categories. And I'm not going to say it'll be nominated. I think it's going to win a lot of these things. For sure, you can expect it. It to be nominated for for best sound mixing, best sound editing, best original score of Hans Zimmer, and best visual effects. And I think it's pretty safe to say right now it's going to win all of those that I just mentioned. Those four. Um, this is another one that I think has big traction, and it's pretty funny because it's funny. Another pun because it's a comedy. The well, big did you agree with me about what I just said about Dunkirk cleaning those categories? Oh. Heck yeah. It's already it's, it, gonna... it's determined already. Mm-hmm. I think no. the big sick is not gonna get that much love to tell you the truth. I think it's one really? of the, it came out way past in the summer and unless it, it made that big of an impression, like get out. Um it's hard to get back in when you're that when in the summer. That rarely happens. Like if you look at the ratio of movies that get nominated, they've all come out rather recently than earlier before. Like there's there's another film that I think is gonna get no love, but it probably deserves some love is uh, Detroit. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, that's not gonna and, get in at all. And I think that's no. not gonna get any no. love. And it's it's sad because uh, on it to be honest, I haven't seen it yet. I I I am determined to see all the films I need to see before the end of the year to to finally get a cohesive, well made end of the year list. Because I'm very terrible at that. You are. Um, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, uh, what about... Uh, so yeah, Dunkirk is going to be very... Uh, it's going to be huge. Um, I think Get Out can get in for Best Picture and uh, for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, what's it called? I want to talk about Call Me By Your Name. Do you know about that? About what? Call Me By Your Name. Oh, Honestly? It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz, but because of what Hollywood's going through right now, it might be pushed to the wayside. Why? It's not relevant? It's about a romance between a man and an underage boy. So. Oh, really? Oh, so in this case, it's okay. I see. Uh, I. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, Call Me By Your Name is directed by Luca Guardagino, uh, a foreign director, which they love. Um, what's it called here? Uh, I am hearing things that it is so loved. Uh, and I want to shift focus slightly to the best actor race, which is usually one of the more competitive races. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, Gary Oldman's going to get in. 
And you sure as hell know Daniel Day-Lewis is going to get in for his final performance. Oh, that's right. I didn't yeah. even mention it. So, um, go. What's it called? I, something Ghost. I don't know. Uh, ghost Thread? It doesn't matter. He'll get in. He's Daniel Day-Lewis. But, but also it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. So that should get in for Best Picture as well. If it's good. Maybe. If it's good. If it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I was just hearing today that Timothy uh, Chamelet, who is the, 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 um, the younger uh, kid in Call Me By Your Name, I'm hearing things that he might, he might get in for Best Actor. Yeah. I'm hearing, and also I wouldn't rule out Army Hammer for Best Supporting Actor either. I think this movie is, has a lot more love than I think uh, would be anticipated. Um, we'll see. No, it has a lot of love right now, yeah. but uh, yeah. But right now, I think the best picture race right now is kind of o- open. Uh, some people were saying Dunkirk. I, I don't think that's going to win best picture. To tell you the truth, I know I don't uh, think it will either. I'm telling you, the killing of a sacred deer and the three billboards out Albion, Missouri. Uh, what else? Uh, Those We still for. we shouldn't underestimate the post. Because it has a triple. No, I'm not underestimating. We either. should talk about that movie because it's a triple. Threat. But the thing is, it's beyond difficult to talk about because we just have nothing on it. I don't got a trailer. Nothing. I don't. I don't got a poster. Yeah. I need that first before I can just start having it in my brain. You know what I mean? I I agree with you, but but uh, I know it is a movie about. The Washington Post and the New York Times exposing a decades-long conspiracy or something by presidents, several presidents. Oh, and it also tackles with, uh, with, with uh, I guess, uh, a woman journalist and her, and her uh, place in the workplace. You tell me none of those things are relevant right now. And all the fact that it happens to be a film by Steven Spielberg, who regularly gets nominated, um, starring Tom Hanks, who doesn't really get nominated. His movies get nominated, but he doesn't get nominated personally. If the category is so weak, he might squeeze in. But every year we have this conversation about can Tom, can Tom Hanks squeeze it in? Who knows? But you know who can mm-hmm. make it in is Meryl Streep. I think. Oh my God! That one. She has a reserved seating. She does, doesn't she? It's ridiculous, but it's I'm I, look. That's the one I'm excited for because I mean to have Hanks and Streep in a movie together and directed by Steven Spielberg, my favorite living director or ever. I mean, and even the subject matter itself feels so relevant to how things are happening right now. Like, I wouldn't rule it out as a contender for Best Picture, but we need to see how good the movie is first, and we've gotten nothing. It's supposed to be coming out at the end of the year, basically December 22nd or something. So, but we should be hearing things pretty quickly about, you know, a trailer or a poster or something. And we have nothing so far. So, um, uh, just throw this out there. Just, just naming all the films, though, that have the possibility of going in for best picture, it just makes me more and more mad <laughs> if Wonder Woman. Gets gets in there. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because at the, at the end of the day, I'm just I'm surprised you brought that up without me having to go to you. That re- no, I, I need to bring it up. I need to bring. Oh it up. Oh my god! Because at the at the end, of, like if you, those are just a few of the ones they named. There's there's a few more. Like if you want to be serious about like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, to look sadly I, look, bomb that one. Okay. That one deserves to be talked about and considered for any category, top to bottom. Like, look, yeah. I don't care if I'm being like too uh, too much of a fanboy here. Harrison Ford gave a tremendous performance. He did. He should at least be in the conversation. I mean, look, performances this year that should be in the conversation. Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart uh, for Logan. <laughs> Those were amazing. You even said the word Oscar-worthy performances walking out of Logan. But Chris Pine showed his abs. Even, even Best supporting actor. And Andy, <laughs> the whole motion capture thing aside. Well, not aside, but War? considering. Yeah. Andy Serkis is like Caesar. 
It's an amazing fucking performance. It was an incredible performance. Uh, but and even Blade Runner, I feel, I think it's going to get in for some things. I think it'll get in for visual effects, maybe sound design, sound mixing. Maybe the score, because Hans Zimmer is popular, but I think we're going to have a stacked race this year with score. Because mm-hmm. I know for sure Hans Zimmer's work on Dunkirk is going to get in and probably win. But other thing, other favorites that will return that I will guarantee you, Michael Giacchino, and I haven't heard the score yet, but I really do love The War for the Planet of the Apes. I think it's his best score in quite some time, and I think it is deserving of being discussed. But I feel that his score for Coco might take precedent over that, because that's usually how it stacks up. War, Maybe. For, War for the Planet of the Apes is being campaigned by 20th Century Fox on across the board. So maybe it has a chance there. But I don't care what you say. There's no way John Williams is not getting in for The Last Jedi. He always gets nominated for anything he did does. Did he get in for The Force Awakens? Yep, he did. Oh, okay. I don't remember. He did. Um, can Going back to kicking Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> no, 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 but it's just like, like I said, the fact after we're naming out all these names for um, what could get into Best Picture, and then there's even a few that we haven't even named. Um, I don't see how Wonder Woman makes it in Best Picture, and it's justified. Like, if this was a really off year for films, and it's like, okay, if their squeeze are in, it still probably shouldn't have, but it's like, they can justify it by saying there wasn't that many great films out this year. And there, there have been years like that where like some films where it's like, Oh, that got nominated. It kind of squeezed in, but there's just too many great films out this year. I, 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 I'm starting to think that it's not going to be able to squeeze into the things that people might suspect that it can be squeezed into specifically best picture. Yeah, um, what's it called here? Um, it is a stacked category. Like All of the films that we mentioned sound very, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things I mentioned about The Post is it definitely has a spotlight quality about it. And you know how they love those kind of movies? Oh, by, oh, the, yeah. no, by the way, Josh Singer, who wrote the screenplay for Spotlight, is also writing The Post. So... I mean, it's almost as if he's writing films specifically to get Oscars. Almost, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as Wonder Woman, I mean, look, one of the things that we talked about why we think Wonder Woman, unfortunately, is in the, in the in the discussion because of the reaction that the movie got initially, um, and how it it consistently has stayed in the conversation all fucking year long. Um, yeah, I want to make it clear. I'm not bringing up Wonder Woman because I enjoy talking shit about it. Because like I say a million times, I actually really like the film. The only reason I'm bringing it up is because, like you've said, every single Academy Awards list includes Wonder Woman. Like, just about every single one. So we're kind of forced to kind of come in and beat up on the film a little bit. Yeah, um, but uh, what do you think about Patty Jenkins, though? There was some serious talk about getting her into Best Director. No. (laughs) No. Honestly, you know what I probably could see is them getting Gal Gadot Best Actress. Oh, come on. Okay, now that's just crazy. Really? That's the only one I can see where there's like, I can probably see them doing that. That's the only one. Other films I should mention. Uh, I heard about um, Lady Bird is an interesting one. Uh, it's getting interesting attention. It stars um, Sorshi Ronan. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, uh, and by the way, Lady Bird, um, eight, um, Lady Bird, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and the, what's it called? The Florida Project, yeah. all from A24. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're killing it. 
Oh, and also... It's the, almost as if they make movies just to win Oscars. Also, yeah, the Disaster you're not Artist. That. You're not That's four films. You see, you're not touching that. Okay. All right. Then. Because they don't make it. Because oh, sure. all their films aren't... They're not Oscar bait films. They're just amazing films. It's different. The Disaster Artist, I think, is going to be really great. I, I don't think it's going to get much traction, though, with the Oscars. No, but... Still, that's four amazing films in one year. Um, I guess Kate Winslet and the Woody Allen movie. There's no chance that that gets in, right? Woody Allen. No, and I, it's kind of why is Woody Allen still a thing? Honestly, uh, I wouldn't rule out Emma Stone for Battle of the Sexes. I haven't. Honestly, I. Yeah, but I I think with Emma Stone, I think that's another Helen Mirren thing. Not Helen Mirren. Um, she's only been nominated twice. Yeah, but she's also incredibly young. And she's also incredibly talented. Absolutely, but I haven't heard that many great things about this film. Not really. I'm just saying it's another one of those movies. But yeah, also it's like... Um, yeah, Wonder Woman just doesn't deserve it. And I just look... We don't mean... To kick it, like, but I mean, maybe we should because no one else is. So, like, maybe I mean, we're kind of the only ones doing it. <laughs> and I think so. It needs to be pointed out. Like, look, this was by far the weakest movie of its genre this year. Yeah, and it's like by those standards, that means Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two or Spider Man Homecoming should at least also be in the same discussion, right? And by the way, y- you need a clarify that no you don't think they should be in the discussion no, because no, there's no. some there's some people that will be like well yeah i think they should be in the discussion too and it's like no you need to see way more films if you think that no i don't think um, they should be in the, in the discussion that being said they're still my favorite movies of the year so like that's my thing oh well, yeah but what i'm trying to say is like if you're gonna seriously look at wonder woman to be an oscar and nobody should then by that merit, you should also be seriously looking at Spider-Man Homecoming or <laughs> Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2, right? Because those were better films. I mean, if you're really going to judge it based on those merits, I mean, if you want to take it that seriously, I just think it's ridiculous all the way throughout. Um, there's no way Last Jedi gets in, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The only uh, Star Wars films that I have really uh, gotten in were Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Um, but yeah, and again, even if it was really good, like incredibly good, right. which I'm really hoping it is, um, it's just I feel like it's too stacked a year. There's just a lot of great films, mm-hmm. a lot of great films. If it was like I said, if it was a lesser year, I would say maybe, but then I'd also say Wonder Woman would probably take its spot no matter how good it was. Do you think there's room for both Get Out and Blade Runner? Maybe not. And honestly, it'll probably go to Get Out. Yeah. Because Get Out has everything going for it. And poor 2049 does not. Both are amazing films, though. Both are But films 2049 I really needs it because did you see the numbers that came out of China? China. God How many times it. does China have to like sl- spite you, Peter? China sunk Blade Runner. China. It's... China sunk Blade Runner. It, it was, it was, it... damn. I mean, they save every single shit franchise that America has. They save it. They're the reason we're at number like five or six in Transformers. So I was like... The upside to that would be like, well, hopefully they they save Blade Runner, and no, there's not even that upside. So it got destroyed. Yeah, like in the same weekend, more people in China went to go see Geostorm. You know what? I it's I think the Chinese audience they just want those. They they I think they just gravitate more towards those big giant explosion world ending apocalypse american movies yeah uh, to be fair though uh a film that didn't do that well here but did really well over uh, china the china in the china market i mean to be clear for those who are listening we're talking about 
the um, the box office markets, the domestic North American uh, market is not what we're talking about. We're talking about worldwide box office and and the biggest um, benefit, the, the biggest name at the domestic box. I mean, at the worldwide box office is China. They're the ones mm-hmm. that did be up a lot, a lot of the money, but. War for the Planet of the Apes did really well in China. Really? Yeah, you didn't see that a couple months back. Oh wow! No, it actually. No, it was it was actually a story that I shared a couple months back that uh, when it debuted in China, it was actually I was expecting it to get the twenty forty nine treatment from China. You know how? No, but it's, I'm looking at a headline here from the twenty seventh of September, War for the Los Angeles Times. War for the Planet of the Apes again dominates China's box office. Wow! And it, I, you know, honestly, you know, you know, actually, you know what? Here it is. It had a bigger opening weekend in China than it had in America. It looks right here. War for the Planet of the Apes swings big in China with sixty-one point three million in ticket sales. Honestly, I think it just comes down to ignorance for from my say, like my point of view, because I have. I'm I'm not on the pulse of what's going on in China, or what the movie-wise the culture is See, going on. And we have another there. headline here: uh, War for the Planet of the Apes swings to Fox record in China, tops um, four hundred and thirty million worldwide. Because remember, China also just does not give a shit about Star Wars. Yeah, there's. The it, Star Wars opened terribly in China. I think some like, if I remember the story correctly, like some cheap, um, cartoon made more on, uh, what's it called, the opening weekend of the Force Awakens over there, and it 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 wasn't like it was uh, but apparently it's a character that's famous over in China. It, it's a film specifically i don't think it's ever come over to the states but still like like the whole world loves star wars but it doesn't really do well over there um the planet of the apes was supposed that that should be make the most over in the u.s but apparently it's making more in china so i have an article here from uh, january 10th uh, 2016 star wars variety magazine Star Wars The Force Awakens breaks records with $53 million China debut. Um, I'm reading it right here. Just mm-hmm. to, to for the record here. Um, That's less than The Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Uh, the People's Republic is the last major market to host Star Wars. Yada, yada, yada. It was better than expected. Um, but it's still not that no. great for a Star Wars film. Because remember, they were trying to they they were trying to go after Avatar's numbers, and they thought that maybe they could do it with China. No, no, China and, quashed those dreams completely. Yeah, um, it's interesting though. And uh, just to wrap up this Oscar conversation, um, I think it's gonna, it's going to be a great year for films. A lot of these movies are very excited to see that I'm going to go out of my way to see, like uh, for sure, The Post, The Shape of Water. The Disaster Artist, Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour. Those are all films that really interest me a lot that I'm going to go out of my way to see if they're playing. Luckily, I'm in San Diego, so hopefully they'll be playing pretty soon where I can go see it. I know a lot of these movies are not going to go back to the valley that we're from, so mm-hmm. we'll see about that. I'm sure The Disaster Artist will because that one is going to be uh, pretty entertaining. Um, but we're excited for this, and... I think we, I want to make it clear that there is a, a distinction between, you know, the Oscars do help by highlighting a lot of the films that are great in a, in a given year. I think where we take issue with them is that they don't always award the films that should be awarded. But I think in general, they, they do a good job of nominating the ones that are really good. Not always the best, but... We're more excited for the quality of these films than what the awards themselves will bring, is I think what we're trying to say here. At the same time, though, we do hope that um, we're providing a bit of a preview for what's to come. And we feel pretty strongly that this is what ultimately will end up being. 
in that way. But I do want to ask you, Peter, before we go about, since we were talking about Star Wars, how do you feel right now about The Last Jedi's box office prospects? Um, uh, 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 sorry guys, it's late. Um, I guess I gotta ask you, do you think they'll hit 200 million? Yes, no question about it. Oh, really? oh opening weekend? Yeah. Easily. Okay. Yes. Because I was kind of skeptical. I, uh, I was like, no. I don't know. Um, they definitely won't with uh, Han Solo. But this this has a good shot. I know you think it's definite. I'm I'm leaning back a little bit. Because I do think there's a bit of over Star Wars saturation. Not that people are getting tired of it. I'm gonna push back entirely. No, I'm gonna push back entirely. No, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up and let me finish. I already know what you're gonna do. What? I am not saying that people are getting tired of Star Wars. I am saying that it's 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 because we. This is the third Star Wars in. Uh, film in a row for the last three years it has pulled away a little bit of that event feeling that Star Wars has so while I make it it still has it but I can see it starting to wane a tiny tiny bit at this point so if it doesn't quite hit 200 million I can understand it that's all I'm trying to say may I speak now? Yes, I give grant you that permission. I think what you're saying would be true if it weren't for the amazing trailers. I do think that the trailers are really winning everyone over. And I do think that the trailers are giving this movie a sense of momentum and a sense of we're going to get something different from the Star Wars movie that we didn't get before. I think it's generating a lot of excitement. And while there is the sense of um, it fading, I don't get that sense. I, th- I still think it's an event. I don't feel it. I think it gets better and growing with every year because of how popular these movies are. I feel that way. You don't have to feel that way. Um, but well, if that were true, Rogue One's Hall would be bigger than The Force Awakens. I don't. Oh no! Okay. Hold, well, you hold, said hold, it's growing every hold, year. I'm saying the sense of the event is going better every year, but it doesn't make any sense that a spinoff film was going to attract the same attention as a saga film. Let's be fair here, Peter. I don't think that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm that's just, why I'm not saying it's growing every year. Well, you you can't. I agree. It's, it's going to make a saga film is not coming out every year, so you can't judge it around the same terms as that. I know, but it's still Star Wars. So it's that still Star Wars, and yet The Force wanes. Awakens and Rogue One were still the highest grossing films of their respective years. And the same thing of will happen course, with The Last Jedi. Of course. Again. And I guarantee you that's probably, definitely actually, going to happen with The Force Awakens. especially you mean The after Last looking, Jedi? Uh, the Last Jedi, yeah. Especially looking at what Justice League... Justice League was the only contender, and it ain't going to do shit compared to what The Last <laughs> Jedi is going to do. There goes that we your can prediction. both easily agree with i mean come on 120 and <laughs> we're saying we're looking at justice league and we're saying we're hoping it's above 120 and when we look at the last jedi we're saying it's probably 90 percent sure gonna hit 200 i mean obviously uh, okay. one is gonna make more the last jedi is obviously not gonna have the same kind of build-up and anticipation as the force awakens it's not gonna do that i just I think it's a pretty safe bet that it's going to hit over 200. That's where I'm at right now. Okay. Um, that's where I... But to kind of touch up a little bit what you were saying before we go. Yes. It's still incredible how Justice League is just flailing. If, like, if, if, that, if that's even the appropriate term, because if I'm correct, Thor Ragnarok is tracking at 125 this opening weekend. It's opening this week, and it's longer. It's a longer movie than Justice League. What? Well, actually, 
Well, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Yeah, because Taika Waititi said it was going to be shorter back in Comic Con, but they added thirty minutes more into the movie. They added jokes, guys. Yeah, they added jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's Marvel. What do you expect here? Um, yeah, that's I true. If it's a longer movie, it's less amount of time to make money mm-hmm. with that as well. Um, but still, though, Thor Ragnarok has something Justice League has failed to capture. That's genuine excitement. Yeah. And you, you, think- you can feel the Ragnarok excitement. And honestly, even I am blown away with how, how people are going crazy over this movie. It's a Thor movie. You don't usually think people go crazy over Thor. Thor has always been a placeholder. Yeah. And, and now know, it feels like an event. Main event time. Um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. There's this like wait and see approach happening with justice league mm-hmm. and then there's this full-blown you know give it to me can't wait to see it with thor ragnarok and so yeah that's why i think in the past i said i don't know i think justice league has a chance to beat the last jedi and, and i thought like you know this is a really big film can they beat thor ragnarok really <laughs> yeah so now that's that's completely out of the water it's easily going to be the last jedi i mean because I thought at this point we would start to make predictions like which one do you think will win and I would be like eh, I don't know and then you would be like it's definitely the last Jedi. Um, I told you there's no, there's no competition. Now, I mean, in order for a movie like Justice League to be successful, which is the exact same thing as a Star Wars movie, in order for those films to be successful, you need to have anticipation you need to have a build-up you need to have actual enthusiasm and excitement the hype you need the freaking hype i feel none of it but remember this was before all the all the hype Mm -hmm. that is not there um i mean avengers hit uh 200 million opening okay first of all that's the thing in itself Mm -hmm. if both avengers movies were able to well i think it was both yeah, if both, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was both. If both of them were able to hit $200 million easily, Justice League should be able to hit that. If not yes. topple that. Because I'm sorry, See, have I not grown up my entire life uh, being told the Justice League are, like, and the, would destroy the Avengers? Not the other way around? You see, that was my line of thinking. Yeah. Where I was like, eh, I don't know, it could be The Last Jedi. But it's that... A lot of factors went into the fact that it, it's now only tracking 120. It, it I just, do think it'll go up. I, I, I don't think for a second it's going to open that low. If it does, it would be surprised. No. It would be devastating, to tell you the truth, if it opened it, that low. It will not open that low. It, it'll hit 150, uh, 160. I think, but... I think that's... I don't even know if it'll, it'll, it'll do that high. I'm really? Think, I'm thinking, look, if, if, if Wonder Woman was tracking between 65 to 85 million, and that opened 103... I think the way that I calculate these things with tracking is I give or take $20 million. And usually you add to that. So mm-hmm. right now, it's safe to about 20 to $25 million more. So I think Justice League should open with 140 145 That's how I kind of feel it'll shape up. On a good weekend, mm-hmm. I think it'll be that way. And it's Thanksgiving weekend, isn't it? It's, it's the week before Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yeah, see, yeah. That's when people are like going on flights and getting everything right. Re- like they kind of don't have time. The week before Thanksgiving weekend, because Thanksgiving weekend is reserved for Coco. That's when Disney puts on their family friendly material. That's when yeah. Moana came out. That's when the Good Dinosaur came out, Frozen, and then the week before, it's sandwiched between uh, Coco and Thor Ragnarok. Hey, you know what I think. I think that has to do with why the numbers are so low because you got Coco coming out and everyone's going to go see Coco. I think that's going to make a shit ton of money. I'm telling you, I'm and- not seeing that movie with you. <laughs> I refuse to see it with you. And that's Kyle. Fine. And Kyle. That's I'm fine. not seeing it with you. Kyle would love it. Come on. <laughs> um, well, he's already no. seen it. I thought it was called The Book of Life. Oh, yeah. Well, see, you're catching on. The Book of Life, too. Uh, no, but it's sandwiched in between two heavy hitters. Which is Thor Ragnarok and um, Coco. And to be, to be fair, Coco is not going to make gangbusters like Justice League or, or Thor Ragnarok opening weekend. But if it's a hit, 
That's a movie that can't have legs because animated movies, particularly at this time of the year, have they great legs. Money. Yeah, they make money. Yeah. Especially um, a Disney movie. And also, like you said, you say it's that weekend. Um, that's a ba- I think that's a bad weekend to open up a film. Like Justice League? Yeah, because like I'm saying, that's when people are kind of moving around. They're getting ready. Like, oh, we need to go. I, I feel like a lot of shit is going on at that point yeah. that they're not going to, it it detracts from going to the movie theaters with family. Unlike it's Thor, like, which is opening this week, which is the beginning of the month. Yeah. So, I, I think it, those factors also yeah. go into the 120. It's weird though, because I mean, Star Wars opens before Christmas and yet it always does great. It is Star Wars. Yeah. Plus... Um, it it hits. I think it hits that sweet spot. Yeah, because it's it's always like right in the middle of December. Yeah, when <clears throat> when people are like, I'm, I I don't know. It's Star Wars. It's Christmas. So it's like it combines your two favorite things. Yeah, it really does. It works well together. I think. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. It's gonna be an exciting month. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to, to getting these numbers in and seeing. What we can make of them, but we can't underestimate, or maybe we have underestimated because of how maybe the media in our industry reacts to it. But it certainly seems that this is a direct um, result of the disappointing returns of the DC films. People are beginning to catch on. Yeah, and, and I and I think that's whenever people might get mad when they hear things like the things that we say and it's like, no, we say them for a reason. It's like they the have, truth. They have real effect yeah. on the series going forward. And you see even WB is trying of starting to pause and they put the brakes. Yeah. And then they said, we're not going to go forward until we see how justice. Well, League Peter, does. we're in October 31st. It's happy Halloween, by the way. Um, yeah. Do you think? Are you convinced this Spooky. movie is this? Do you? Are you convinced this movie is finished? No. <laughs> Isn't that bad? Honestly, if I was Joss Whedon, I think he would go on Twitter. He would go on Instagram. He would announce that shit. He'd be like, "I am done. We have officially got the final." Warner edit. Brothers should everyone. announce that now. After today, oh, actually, as including today, there's only 18 days left. There's 18 days left. I think they're like getting little minute details. They're going back and forth. That's why I don't think people are convinced that they're going to move up the embargo because they're going to have the premiere early. I don't think they're going to have the movie ready by then. No, they're not moving up the embargo. They're not. At or all. the premiere or whenever that is like scheduled. They're not going to have the world premiere like two weeks before the movie comes out. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. no. That's a Marvel. I'm sorry. DC just doesn't do that shit. No. They just even if they had a finished movie, the, uh, even if they had a finished one, they wouldn't be confident yeah. enough. But in this case, they don't even have a finished movie. Yeah. Um. So and again, yeah. Justice League is their big risk. So they're not gonna. Even if they think they have the greatest film of all time, I don't think they'll risk letting reviews drop early. Or letting embargoes drop early because they're just like. But does just, but but doesn't just this feel like BVS deja vu to you? Like the way this is beginning to shape out. Um, but we got your boy Joss Whedon. He's not my boy anymore. <laughs> he traded sides. No, I mean he's a traitor. Um, best uh, cheater. Um, but <laughs> he's a cheater. <laughs> This is a difference. As if that movie doesn't have enough cheaters. Um, I need to ask you this question, though. Like, I mean, just to look uh-huh. at it, we're trying to look at it analytically about how the movie is going to perform. And it is very, it's very weird because, like, this is like a huge movie, one of the most anticipated movies ever, apparently. Maybe not anymore. It should be. It should on, be. On, should be on paper, and it's on not. On paper, that's what pisses me off a little bit. It's like, if you had done this right, this, this would, I feel, if they had done it right, this would be beating the the last Jedi, but we always have to go. We have to go back all the way to the beginning. Mm-hmm. We were convinced that Batman v Superman, regardless of its quality, 
would have made at least a billion dollars. And it didn't even come close to that. Its opening weekend was 166. I have serious. Did it make like um, 8 billion? Or 8 million? I think it made. Didn't it? No, 700 million. 80 million. 700 million, I think it was. was 800 million? I think it was 800 million. Let me look it up right now. But it didn't get. Sorry, I said like 50 wrong answers. I think Wonder Woman was the most successful DCEU film, but it's even that didn't crack a billion. Oh, oh no, it didn't. Um, I was gonna say to you um, that BVS opened with 166 million dollars. I don't even think Justice League will match that. No, doesn't that say something? Well, no, because I, if I remember correctly. Um, BVS was never tracking at something as low as 120. It was. It but was what, what, I, what I'm saying is, BVS opened to 166. I feel that was lower than what we expected it to be even then. But looking mm-hmm. at it now, I I don't think Justice League is going to open to that high of an opening that BVS is. No, no I don't think so either. But also, if you remember, those negative reviews just caught everyone off guard. But even then, I don't think that changed anyone's mind. Everyone was like, I gotta go see it. I gotta the go first see week, it. anyway, it, it lost 70% of its audience in week two. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's because everyone saw it the first weekend. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's like... Uh, you're right, Peter. Uh, it's, it's global domestic uh, tally for Batman v Superman worldwide is $872.7 million. I think if I remember correctly... Um, Worldwide, Wonder Woman made the least, but domestically, it? it made really? the most. Interesting. Let me look that up. I right think now. that's the way it worked. It made the most in the U.S., but worldwide, it made the least. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure Man of Steel had, and uh, Suicide okay. Squad had what, bigger. What, what did I tell you? The number for BVS? Oh fuck, I forgot. Well, eight hundred. It was it was recorded on this podcast. Those of you who are listening, Wonder Woman did eight hundred and twenty one point six worldwide. That's lower than BVS. Mm-hmm. Um, Suicide Squad. Oh wait, Suicide Squad was lower worldwide. It was seven forty five. Oh really? 6, yeah. Okay. Never mind then. But I do think it made the mo- the most domestically. I'm pretty sure it did because we saw that Man of Steel made even less worldwide six hundred sixty eight. Oh okay. Okay. So, but that's four DCU films, and none have cracked a billion. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like I don't. Here's the, here's the real question, though. BVS was gonna crack a billion, but Justice League on paper is an event that that in your mind should say that's gonna make a billion dollars worldwide easily. Do you think mm-hmm. it's gonna make a billion dollars worldwide? No. Isn't that pretty fucking sad? I mean. Wonder Woman did have quite the legs. And but even that didn't reach a billion. And Justice yeah. League is sure as hell not gonna have the legs Wonder Woman had. Because Wonder no, Woman did not have the last Jedi coming out a month after, or Coco coming out the week after. I mean people should underestimate Disney and Pixar. Yeah, I, I really think Coco's really gonna kill it. And it it's basically the same day. And it's, it's gonna family. it's gonna have an interesting uh, demographic with the added uh, Hispanic or Mexican uh, yeah yeah it's gonna have I mean uh, when we had the discussion me you Nettie we're all Hispanic and uh, it did you could tell from the conversation that def- it, it resonates yes it works it's resonating and mm-hmm. I think it will when, when that opens so like we shouldn't that's what I'm saying it's gonna be a very interesting month I'm actually kind of excited, like for the first time to see box office numbers. So we haven't had a competitive month like this. Oh, in a long time. Like July was probably the most, and that one was kind of disappointing box office wise, you know. Cause, yeah. So it's going to be interesting, but I think the main question is, I don't know. I'm getting a bad vibe about Justice League. Do you think? What about this movie that you're seeing scares you the most about its quality? See, the thing is, I'm just trying not to think about it. <laughs> because if it's good, I'll be awesomely, pleasantly surprised. Right. You know? And if it's bad, it's like no harm, no foul, mm. in a way. So, I mean, I really don't want to 
look at it too closely and get excited. And I also don't want to look at it too closely and get down on it. I just, at this point, I'm just kind of like, don't think about it. You know, you're going to see it. It, It's close enough already. Um, Go in, watch it. And well, before I watch it, I'll basically know if the film's good or not because the, the reviews, yeah, will the, drop. yeah, that usually seems to be the tradition that the embargo will drop the day before we go see it. Literally, mm-hmm. and, and there's no way it's not gonna, they're not gonna move that embargo date, right? And honestly, that thing killed me when it happened to Suicide Squad. It did because I was so in, all in for Suicide Squad. And when I saw that, it was just. It was sad Affleck all over again. And it was very um, indicative of what the quality of the film really was. So, yeah, I just kind of, I'm at this point, it's just like, just don't think about it. I remember that morning, you were, we were scheduled to do a video together. Mm-hmm. And we were scheduled to do a preview of Suicide Squad, not knowing the reviews are going to drop that morning. Yeah, and boy, did that 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 really changed everything. It changed the uh, the direction of the uh, preview, because honestly, for the preview, I would have been like, I think it's going to be great. I think it has the opportunity to be one of the mo- most unique, and which is best what you said about BVS. Films. With BVS, I said at, at the very least, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun, well made, and then I wasn't even right in that aspect, but. I will say that for Justice League. At the very least, I think it'll be fun. And you say that at your own peril. I do. I, I understand <laughs> just to that. be aware of that. But um, it just looks like the whole film's just going to be quippy character interactions, which so far look to be done pretty well. I mean, well, it's also interesting because we should discuss the runtime. Did that surprise you? It's very short. Two hours. Especially. It's barely two ca- hours, and that's including credits. And that tells me this is going to have, like, no story. It's and, just going to go. And that's important because, uh, honestly, for me, what makes The Avengers a great movie is the story. And, honestly, the more that I watch the film, the more invested I am with the second act. Then I am... T- go ahead. I'll push back on that. I, I, I think Avengers was... An amazingly simplistic story. Yes. But... It was a story. (laughs) They were really able to... um, What really made that film work was the character interactions. Okay, yes. And what made it work... Oh, yes, 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 yeah. But what I'm saying is, you you need to have them in that setting in the first place. Do you think we're going to have that kind of character interactions in Justice League that we had in Avengers? But see, that's my thing. The reason it worked with Avengers is because we had these films, we set them up, we were in this world, and you you had, uh, what's his name? Um, he's directing Justice League. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon masterfully be able to, to balance everything. Yeah. With this, Joss Whedon came in at the 11th hour, and... By the oh, way, I'm make not... sure to watch the, the the eleventh hour with Brian Williams on MSNBC. It's a great show. Sorry, I have to do a plug. Eh, I wouldn't, but eh. Um, with this, you're introducing so many characters. Yeah, you're the well. Hold the on, only... let's get this straight. We need to yeah. have a dynamic with Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, right? Bring that, back but, Superman. Bring back Superman and possibly the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then we're going to have the extended flashback sequences with Thermoscura. And then mm-hmm. we need to make... I'm calling it right now. Steppenwolf is not going to work. The villains never work. And I'm pretty sure Steppenwolf is not going to work as a villain. Because it's just another CGI blob fest. I'm to pretty be sure. fair, I saw a line with Steppenwolf where I was like, I really dug it. Uh, Ste- I don't know if you saw it. Steppenwolf was holding up this uh, guy or whatever. And the guy was like, please, I have a family. And he just kind of calmly says, why do people keep telling me that? Okay. And 
I don't know. I I thought that line worked really well. Okay. It, it's kind uh, of okay. I'll give you that. that to be fair, is a good line. That sounds very Joss Whedon. <laughs> That's the thing. I think there might be a lot of good lines in here, like what you said about yeah. uh, Ben Affleck saying, "Just save one life with the Flash." There's things here that I'm sure are going to work. That's how why I'm it, saying yeah. it'll at least be fun. I think it'll be fun too, but it's just like how much of Zack Snyder's. Yeah, things are gonna get in the way because, like, what we said, there was this video about Joss Whedon was the one that added in that red sky to give it more color. Yeah, he kind of made it worse with the red sky. But you got to remember, you don't just introduce these characters; you have to introduce their worlds. Yeah. So you have to introduce Atlantis, and you have to introduce his queen Hera. And that, but that that that's a a lot without even adding the the scourge of the Green Lantern core. How are you gonna? involve them and then also how are you even going to handle the return of Superman I kind of feel that you need to have a good explanation and you need to execute that well otherwise you fumble the ball at that point you need to get that to work also you need to have Lois Lane kind of be a major character without Superman being in the movie for a lot like how much of the movie how much of Superman is going to be in the movie do you think I don't know I I have a feeling, kind of more than we think, that they're letting on. I think halfway he'll probably come back. Uh, I honestly, I, I kind of hate how they're trying to pretend that Superman isn't coming back. Why? Everybody knows. Like, it's kind of, like, you know how you do it well? Look at Stranger Things 2, or Season 2. I like to say Stranger Things 2. Just say 2. Um... Everyone knew Millie Bobby Brown was coming back. They never pretended like, oh, is she dead? Because they basically had the same thing that BVS had at the end of season one. Yeah. Where you had Hopper leave the waffle. So it's like, oh, is she? The same way Superman with the thing rising in the casket. And it's like, no, you see her in the trailer and you see her on the poster. Like, we're not going to play dumb. Um, and I really wish they would have done that with Justice League. Like, they put him on the poster and it's like, you know what's going to happen. Like. We all know. Why are we trying to pretend like this isn't going to happen? I guess we'll find out pretty soon. Before we leave, uh, I do want to say that uh, Peter and I were correct. But we said back in episode 72, it turns out it was Paul Manafort who was indicted today on on, uh, hashtag Mueller Monday. Happy Mueller Monday. That was yesterday. Um, It was exciting. I'll tell you that. That was the only good news about yesterday. Uh, Paul Manafort, the um, the campaign chairman and also the deputy campaign chairman of Donald Trump's presidential campaign, were both indicted on charges of conspiracy against the United States government and many more. There was like twelve charges, and that's just yeah, and and, and uh, from what I'm hearing, it's only just also, that's scratching the surface from what I'm hearing. Um, then and Stepanopoulos or Papanopoulos? Yes, he was actually probably more important. What what happened there, Peter? He uh, apparently lied to the FBI right. about in an interview the timing yeah. of certain Russian contacts, and afterwards he went home and tried to delete his Facebook. <laughs> Which I mean, come on, it's the FBI. Don't be that dumb. And of course, they caught him, and he pleaded guilty. And I think he pleaded guilty back in July. So these last few months. Unbeknownst to ev- anyone, he's been working with the FBI and complying. And you know what that means? More indictments are on the way. Yeah. That's what it means. Uh, but also, here's, a other, here's what we have to note here. We, Robert Mueller knows a lot more than we know. And I'm pretty... From what I was reading and hearing is that he needed to file these charges with Paul Manafort right now because they were they were nearing a time you know how there's a statute of limitations thing mm-hmm. we were nearing a, a time where the charges may not have been as strong so he needed to file them now that way a statute of limitations wouldn't have applied oh, so, okay and we also have to keep which means he had to do it out of necessity and that mm-hmm. also means this investigation is not stopping anytime soon It's going, and it's going, and it's going. And if Paul Manafort, the campaign chairman of Donald Trump's presidential campaign, has already gotten indicted, which has never happened. I mean, this early in a presidency. 
It's uh, not good. It's not good. And then we're, <laughs> also to update what we had on our discussion previously. I'm sorry, Peter, but I, I think uh, tax reform isn't going as according to plan as uh, as uh, was led to believe. Because I mean, that's a double whammy. You said earlier today that if, on top of all this, if taxes don't get done, it's over. Yeah, the 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 presidency is effectively over because the I midterms, think this the midterms happen next year. No, but even if they pass taxes, I think that the uh, the Democrats are going to take back the House, at least. Wow. Um, the Senate is... Ugh, I don't know about the Senate. They might lose seats in the Senate. But I definitely think they're going to take back the House. And it, after that, they can't pass anything. So, yeah, guys, uh, you can keep it here at Spotlight. For We're going we're gonna to really cover the... Russia investigation on a regular basis from now on. So Why? make sure make sure that Peter and I are going to be covering some politics here and there because I don't know. I mean, nobody said no. Um, <laughs> literally, nobody said no. So we're just going to keep going. But also, we don't we, we um, don't want to forget that we are still working on that Inhumans audio commentary. Oh God! Well, it's not done yet. The it's not done. It's not done yet. Well. Well, it's done, but it's not done. It's done, but <laughs> it's not finished. It's still got a little, you know, a little bit of breath in it. Yeah, if you can even call it that. But also, make sure to listen to the Red Spotlight podcasts every Sunday. We have a new to the table coming out this week with me and Nettie Valdez. We did a, do the to the table, and that's going to come out. Oh, really? Yeah. Would you do it on? You'll find out. Oh, and you're going to love no, it, just, Peter. You're going to love it. I'm going to no, tell you. Wait, you have to say it right now uh, to entice the audience. It's for the audience. I can't it? say. It has to be a surprise. It's a surprise because I know you're going to love it so much, Peter. I can't wait for you to listen God to that. God damn it. Fantasy okay. Fair is every other Friday. We have a, an interesting one coming up with Walt Disney Family Museum of Kyle recapping it. We'll see if I'm on that. He has to apologize to me first. But if not, I won't be on that podcast. <laughs> um also, you cannot miss our next podcast. We will all be there reviewing Thor Ragnarok and Stranger Things 2. May- yeah. Maybe nothing else. Because those two things are I not- think it should just be that. It should just be that. Because that's going to be... I think we'll have a lot to say with both. So I think it'll just... It should... Yeah, it'll just be that. Which is why we did this thing today. Uh, to get that out Stranger of the Thors. Stranger... <laughs> I don't know. That'll probably be the title. Stranger like Thors, Really? Or Thor's. Kyle, Kyle will figure. Kyle out. will do it, and, and then we'll do audio commentaries in the in the near future. I do want to make sure Star Wars uh, audio commentaries are going to come back in the ramp up for the Last Jedi, um, and I can't I feel wait. Like we've done so many, but how we, have we not done them all? Or? How have we not? That's the thing. It's like I, I told Kyle go ahead and do them, but he has not doing them. But we are going to make sure and get Eric and Nettie for the Phantom Menace along with the three of us. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so hopefully we can get that. Oh, but we'll be watching Justice League. Watching. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Nobody else is going to watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. We'll see. We'll, well see. we will see, definitely. Mitch McConnell, go fuck yourself. Okay, that's how we're going to end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you even stay to the end, because this really droned on in ways that we couldn't have expected. But congratulations if you did. And stay tuned for more. Thank you, Peter, for joining in. And thank you guys for listening. And uh, bye, 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 bye. Bye-bye. That's all, folks. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide So we've been told and some choose to believe it But I know they're wrong, wait and see Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers Wow, I wish I could sing like you. <laughs> Who said that every wish would be heard and answered? Wished on the morning star. Well, you know, somebody just thought of that, and someone believed it. And look 
what it's done so far. You know? What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? What do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. The lovers, the, the dreamers. dreamers. 